0: You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris. Welcome back to another edition of the Black Male Therapist Podcast. I'm your host. Art Harris, licensed marriage and family therapist and school psychologist, breaking it down as usual from the perspective of a black male. Today, we'll look at what's happening in local news and some sports, but we'll jump into our book, Life from Ancient Africa, written by Dr. Naeem Akbar, looking at how African um, philosophy and religion and psychology has influenced um, us today or what we can do to reconnect to that. We're also gonna look at some psychoeducation related to liberation theories and psychology these are different themes related to freeing yourself and your mind in hopes that mental health can play a role in that and so get ready to have a great show it's going to be action-packed we'll take some time to talk about thanksgiving and what that means and what it means to you i wonder what thanksgiving means to you i got a wonderful story about what somebody told me what thanksgiving means to them, And I'll share that with you later today. So let's enjoy the show. We'll take a quick break and we'll get down to business. Let's go. You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast. Breaking news. The Democrats have found enough information to move forward with an impeachment. Wow, this is so Mind-blowing. I can't believe they found enough information to move forward with an impeachment. We'll see how that goes. Honestly, I'm more concerned about what's happening in my neighborhoods. So, if you don't know, I'm out in the East Bay, um, primarily working in the Richmond area. And, man, it's been a lot of shootings and killings right around... um, our neighborhoods right across the street from our school campuses. I mean, kids are watching people get killed, like mob, gangland style. And I don't even see a news story about that, not even a blurb on the online post. And I just wonder, um, quote, a nice cube. Either they don't know, they don't show, or just don't care about what's happening in the hood. Yeah, this ain't cool, man. We got kids being exposed to things that they really shouldn't be exposed to. So I'm doing all types of different counseling groups and grief groups and processing trauma this week, and the kids are talking about having nightmares and seeing the ghetto bird chasing the bad guys in their neighborhoods and being able to identify the types of guns they see and everything, and trying to be like, "Oh, that's a paramedic. That's a fire truck. What's the fire truck doing here? Man, the police were late. I saw a body bag." You know, um, these are things that um, our kids, our youth, really shouldn't be exposed to. And this is happening on a crazy level right here, not just in Richmond, California, but across the world, wherever it's poor people, inner city people, this is being exposed to on a whole nother level every day. And it's not even on the news. Just this week alone in Richmond, there's been at least, at least three murders right in our school neighborhoods, right near our campuses that kids were exposed to. And you know, it's it's not cool. And so back in the day, Hustlers and gangsters used to have some type of code where they'd be like, all right, anything I do, it ain't going to affect no women or children. If any women or children get it harmed, then this I ain't with it. And so nowadays the children are killing other children and they ain't even got no code. And that's a whole nother story. But on some real talk, if you are connected to in any way, or even if it's you, are a shooter or connected to the shooter's, I'm encouraging you to remember to have some type of code. I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know your griefs. I don't know your gripes. I don't know why you want to kill the next man. All I'm asking is that you at least don't let anybody else get caught up in your BS. There's no reason these kids on these elementary school campuses or middle school campuses, even high school campuses need to get exposed to your drama. So Pull a young man to the side and holler at him. If you know a young man that's in this life, be like, hey, man, at least stick to some code. Keep these babies safe. That's the least we can do. You shouldn't be out there shooting and doing that in the first place. But I'm not going to judge that lifestyle because I know a lot of things come with that lifestyle that might get out of hand really fast. And once you get caught up in it, it's really hard to say what you should and shouldn't do. All I'm saying is... If that's what you want to do, that's on you. But don't let it affect these children, man. Just don't let it affect these children. It's really sad sitting with kids talking with their dreams and analyzing their coloring and pictures related to the stuff they seen because of the stuff y'all out there doing it's not cool they're already scared enough living in these neighborhoods but to have their own blocks getting shot up and hearing it right at the school that's that's not cool and so i'm just encouraging you at least let the school be a safe zone. Oh, and if you hear a little goo-goo gaga in the background, that's my daughter. Every time I start recording, she wanna be involved. She's only eight months old, but she got a knack for showmanship and taking the stage. And already every time I start recording, she wanna start recording. She just wanna be a part of the show. It's the same thing on my wife's Walk of Day in my Culture podcast. She just gotta get involved. And thinking about my daughter, this is her first Thanksgiving coming up. Wow. What am I gonna tell my daughter about Thanksgiving in years to come when she really get it? I hope um, we even are able to still sit down as a family and eat and the whole focus isn't going shopping on Wednesday for Black Friday deals. But the truth is, I can't be mad at society for just moving past this holiday because it ain't even a real holiday. If you think about it, um, Thanksgiving, was built on some pilgrim BS and it's not um It's not historically a really great day for a lot of people traditionally, but we have turned it into something special with honoring and a thankful, thanking family. And if you're still living in this world to have somebody to eat with and talk to, or even still alive in your right mind and right health, you do have a lot to be thankful for. But um I was talking to this Cherokee man the other day about Hey, man, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? And he said, you know what? What I'm going to do this year, Art, we're going to do it the traditional way. I'm going to invite people to my land. They're going to offer me some food. I'm going to offer them some corn. And when I'm reaching my hand out, they're going to stab me in the back and take everything from you and wipe out my whole village and tribe and try to um take the darker ones into slavery i said man you cold-blooded but you ain't lying and he said yeah man thanksgiving it's not really a holiday and happy day the way they tried to make it out the scene it was the beginning of a slaughter and i was like whoa you ain't lying and um i was just i I was just at <laughs> all of uh, this bad story but you was telling the truth man thanksgiving was like one of these moments in time where we make it seem like all happy and hunky-dory but in real life it was a time where people came to the land and started screwing over the people of color that were here and this is one of those marking points documented what happened and um I know we're being thankful and we're going to kick it with family. Just remember to be honest with yourself while you're breaking bread and in this day that it all started on some BS, screwing over the Natives and indigenous people. You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast.
1: Hello, Black Male Therapist Podcast listeners. Do you sometimes wonder if your actions are culturally appropriate? Do you want to learn how to increase your cultural awareness and sensitivity so that you can work from a more culturally centered lens? Do you want to work with your clients, colleagues, students, or just people in general from a more culturally sensitive place? Well, if you say yes to any of my questions, you need to register for my workshop, Working from a Cultural Lens. This workshop will take place on Saturday, December 7th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and it's all online. You can find out more about my workshop and what we'll be covering by visiting my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. Thanks so much. I hope to see you there.
0: You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris. We are now in the sports report on the Blackmail Therapist Podcast with your host Art Harris. So this week we got a lot of cool things happening in sports. We'll start with the NFL. So this is a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and so leading up to this Thanksgiving week, we always start seeing the division races and the plots and um narratives in terms of who's going to make the playoffs. Who's going to be a real contender and who's just going to fall off. Really start to see people pull into form or let it all go around this time of the year. So in recent weeks, we've seen the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Patriots. (laughs) Why did you go, yee, when I say the Patriots? No, you got it wrong. This is a Raiders house, Faith. This is a Raiders house. You got it all messed up. Um... Back to what I was saying, this week in the NFL, we're going to see really what's going on. We got a really good matchup in the Dallas Cowboys versus the New England Patriots. That's going to be a good game. We're going to see if the Cowboys are real deal. Can they stand up to the cream of the crop? And we're going to see how the Patriots handle a top-tier contender from the NFC. This should be an amazing game. I want to say I I, I want to say the Cowboys will win just because my grandmama was a Cowboys fan. Um But she's gonna have to be smiling down on heaven on the boys for this one because Tom Brady and them are for real. And I but I think them boys got a few tricks out their sleeve, and uh, we'll see. I'll definitely be rooting for the Cowboys this week against the New England Patriots. In other games, we have the 49ers. Going up against the Green Bay Packers. And this is another big test for the 49ers. And it's a big test for the Green Bay Packers. Coming out of their bye week, I still don't know what to think about Green Bay. I know they're good, but I don't know how good they really are. So on Sunday Night Football, we're going to get to see who's the better team right now. Who's going to rise to the cream of the crop. I really think Seattle is the best team in the (laughs) NFC. But time will tell, and so we're going to see Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy in that 49ers defense, and that's going to be a good game. Monday Night Football, we have a matchup between last year's Super Bowl losers, the Los Angeles Rams, versus this year's Super Bowl contender, the Baltimore Ravens. Hey, that kid Lamar Jackson is playing like an MVP. They're running the ball, passing the ball, and they look like a new bully is on the block. They're looking like them Baltimore Ravens from back in the day with a new twist to it.
1: The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along. Swaggering voicelessly. His face is weather beaten
0: Yes, this is the time of the show where we talk about the Oakland Raiders. I cannot talk about NFL without talking about the Oakland Raiders. Hey, last week, we looked good. We put off the win, improving our record, and we're still a half game out of first place with the Kansas City Chiefs making a showdown in Week 13, all that more important as we move forward this season. This week, we're going against the New York Jets, and the New York Jets are a team that I think we should be. We got the best rookie class in the NFL this year, from running backs to receivers to defensive end, even secondary. The Raiders, man, we're looking good. A good young team, and I'm looking forward to seeing this talent grow. I know they're going to Vegas next year, but Raider Nation travels, baby. And so we're going to keep it pushing, and I look forward to what happens this week. Moving on to other sports in the NBA. NBA is looking so good right now. I saw the Clippers first the Rockets the other night, and let me tell you, James Harden is a boy. He's a certified beast. We're watching a legend play. I saw a move where he stepped back and hit the three in front of Patrick Beverly and uh, Paul George and he got fouled to take the lead in the game in a crucial moment of the game. And he just looks so cool. He's really dominating right now in the NBA. The hard part is, though, he always ends up on the short end of the stick at the end of the year in the playoffs because he just runs out of steam and the cream rises to the crop, like I said. So in this game, even in this game, as great as he was, yo, Kawhi Leonard. He showed who's boss, and he put the team on his back, and he pulled up and got to a spot and made the winning shot, and the Clippers knocked off the Rockets, and I think we're going to start seeing more and more the better teams are starting to make their moves. I feel sorry for the Boston Celtics. They've been hampered by injuries the past few years, and even this year, losing Gordon Hayward for a little while, and Kimba Walker had a nasty collision the other night, had to get taken out on a stretcher, so the Celtics... Went from first to I don't know what's going to happen with them right now. We'll see if they can get it together around other league news. Of course, the Golden State Warriors were struggling right now. But I have to keep my mind in a positive space. I guess this is where being a therapist really helps me out. And I use all of my skills, all of my deep breathing, all of my positive self-talk as I get through these games. I think we're going to be okay, like I said, as we move forward forward. With um years to come, but this season it's all about watching our team develop the young players and see how we deal with these injuries. I mean, it's just what it is we're injured, and who's going to be the number one draft pick? Those are the really the things we're focused on watching our young guys develop, trying to see who will be with the squad next year. But watch out, y'all, watch out because at some point we're going to get Clay Thompson back, Stephen Curry back. Draymond Green will be healthy. We're going to have D'Angelo Russell and a whole lot of young soldiers around these guys. So just watch out because I don't see a team in that league with a top four as good as Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green. Yeah, it's not the Hamptons five, but ain't no team. And I say ain't no team, right? Ain't no team in the league got a top four like these guys. We'll see when we get it all back on the court together. And so that's the end of this NBA report. And closing the sports report, we're looking forward to a big boxing match tonight. Let's get ready to rumble. We got Deontay Wilder taking on Ortiz in a rematch from their fight a couple of months ago where Ortiz went toe-to-toe with Wilder, but in the end, he ended up on his face. Not one, not two, but three times. And the fight ended with Deontay Wilder being 40-0. and Only to lose in this next batch. Well, not lose. It was a draw against Tyson Fury. But I really think he lost the fight. And so this fight here tonight will be a good um, marking block for Wilder to see if he's back on track to the rematch, rematch with Tyson Fury and so let's go let's see what's going to happen I want to watch this fight tonight and it's going to be amazing I expect fireworks and boxing tonight and that's the end of our sports report we'll take another quick break and we're going to get back into our book Light from Ancient Africa written by Dr. Naeem Akbar This portion of the show is sponsored by Robin Hood. You can go to infight.robinhood.com backslash Arthur447 for a chance to get a free stock up to $500 just for signing up. You should do it. Get invested. Get in the game. Don't get left behind because you're afraid to invest. Start today. to our book, Life from Ancient Africa. Today we'll jump into chapter four, the myth of Asur the black awakening. And it goes on in this chapter to talk about, we have lost an appreciation for the power of the myth. Our ancient people in Africa for thousands and thousands of years contemplated the vastness of a universe that actually transcended description they contemplated a reality and the greatness and the awesome reality of God and nature that was beyond the ability to grasp and describe in words. In this chapter, we are going to touch on something of what our ancient ancestors have taught us through their mythology. It is very interesting because the ones who preceded as understood that their responsibility was not to their time alone. In the myth of Asur, um, they talk about the one who first taught civilization and cultivation, about bringing life out of the earth. Assur was the first teacher of worship of the gods. Asur taught science and religion because there was no distinction between the two in ancient Kemet. We find in this story that Asur had a twin brother whose name was Set. Set, who became Satan, Shaitan, or the devil, was guided by a contrasting nature that compelled him to attack this scientific truth-bringer called Asur. Set represented the personification of evil and destructiveness, which eats away at order, justice, righteousness, and ultimately the truth. The ultimate enemy to truth is falsehood or deception. The story tells us that Assur was tricked into a loss of power. It talks a little bit about how Seth fooled him and ended up basically making a coffin that um, at a party, he tricked him into getting into with other co-conspirators 72 co conspirators to be exact. And so they got him in the coffin and threw him into a, a river and a tree grew, above, grew around this coffin. And then we meet Aset or Isis. And she represents the spirit of truth, comfort, diligence, perseverance, and determination. Aset represents the ever continuing resilience and regeneration of human nature. When Osset goes in search of our sewer, we are told that she finds the tree with the chest and reclaims the body. The myth continues that Set went out to take the body from her and got the body, cut it into 14 pieces, and throws the dismembered parts into the river. With perseverance and persistence, she finds all of the dismembered pieces of Asur except for the phallus, which was swallowed up by the fish. We are told that Asur or Osiris was resurrected from the dead, ascended to heaven and became judge of the departed souls. In this chapter, it goes on to talk about contemporary relevance of the myth It talks about in this image we see Asur descended from life and high accomplishments to a state of death and hopelessness. We see Asur tricked into imprisonment, transported across the sea, consumed in a culture, and established as a main pillar in the house of a strange king. So far, the images of the myth closely parallel the history of the African enslavement. If the myth is correct, Aset should be here somewhere also. Sure enough, we find Aset in history. Aset comes in the form of people like Marcus Garvey, Harriet Tubman, Noble Drew Ali, and the writer discussed Elijah O'Connor. Who is Set? Set represented the personification of evil or the negative force in life. Set was to force whose objective was to overwhelm and destroy the divine life that was Assur. This mutilation was activated against modern day sir by Set um, when you see how families are broken up. So he talks about all of these divisions engineered by set who understood that also worked as a single body moving into a single direction held together by a single principle oneness so set's role was to divide and break up people you see there was a spiritual div- division that makes it difficult for us to understand that spirituality is bigger than religion it talks about set has caused a familial division, a political division, spiritual division, fraternal division, community division, but worst of all, it's the division against self. The degree to which we have been programmed and engineered to behave in opposition to ourselves is the worst mutilation. This is the mutilation that took the head from the body. The writer goes on to give further evidence of how The heads taken from the body has caused many problems for African-Americans in day-to-day life. It reads, there is considerable evidence of the consequence of removing the head. The second major cause of death among African-American men under the age of 35 is homicide. 90% of those who commit these murders are African-American men. We, we engage in a variety of forms of self-murder because we have been infused with the mind of self-destruction. We die of lung cancer 25% more frequently than Euro-Americans. Lung cancer is the most preventable form of cancer. Why don't we prevent it? Why don't we stop smoking? They give us poison, label it as poison, but because our heads are severe, we take the poison. In this section, they gave other examples of how we take poison or how we're self-destructive because our heads aren't connected to their bodies, from cardiovascular disease related to poor eating to cervical cancer and prostate cancer related to not getting checked checked up and taking the right steps. It goes into the resurrection of Asura and what that myth means, and it tells us the Assyrian story or myth that the resurrection requires is about the opening of the mouth, opening of the eyes, and the opening of the ears. The process of restoring vision is illustrated in another part of the epic when Hiru or Horus has a battle with Set. Hiru, the son of Asur, went into battle against his uncle Set. And a little bit more about Hiru, in other readings you find that Hebrew was the son who um, his mother Aset had with the spirit reincarnate of Asur. So they say she was a virgin mom who had Horus on. A night when she was visited by the spirit. The story sounds a lot familiar in another um, place. I can't think of where I've heard that story. But um, so she w- she had this son. They say she was a virgin. And some say he was even born on December 25th. And what well, was related to December 25th that day. So, but I digress. So it talks more about he rule the son of Asur... Going to a battle against Set or Satan. And in this battle, he lost sight. And part of this narrative is about regaining sight or getting vision through your third eye so you can defeat the darkness. So the third eye is the eye of prophetic or creative vision because the physical eyes simply reflect what already exists in the created or material world. The eye of higher vision shows what has always been and what can be in order to restore vision the dead must be given truth of words the eye the vision needs to be restored the story of Assur let us know that Set is a continuous part in our existence and he takes many forms and keeps returning so in our legacy We have to have a vision that can make us see what is not, but what can be. We must see ourselves as world-class manufacturers, bankers, traders, while maintaining the highest values of my truth, justice, righteousness, and harmony. Our hearts will be put to the scale of justice and weighed, balanced by the feather of my eye. Only the heart that has been lightened by its efforts to establish the values of Ma'at will find balance by Ma'at. And that story is related to how um, when people die, how the ancient Chemites believe they'll be transitioned to a new world. And there's many illustrations of the um, story related to um, Ma'at and being balanced by the feather. The judgment scene of Weighing the heart of the deceased um, against a feather is a classic image. And I encourage you to find it and check it out. Um, But in reality, well, in closing in chapter four, it says our ancestors teach us that resurrection requires that the mouth must be opened along with the ears. We discover that truth is universal and that all new discoveries simply confirm old and that's really the end of chapter four again i'm not trying to really say that my readings of this chapter or this book really covers the full life from ancient africa and when you read this book dr Niam akbar will tell you that this book isn't meant to tell you everything about ancient um comedic mythology religion and science or psychology in conclusion um, he says, "The discussion has focused upon just one of the multifaceted and complex system which describes human psyche according to the ancient comedic tradition. The fundamental conclusion about human nature, as implied by the description of the Ba and Adam as well as the divine Ka, is that the human being is transpersonal and essential. Essentially, connected with the divine and everything else in nature, there is a continuity in all that there is, having its origin in the creator. Intelligence is viewed as being multiple in its dimensions, rational, spiritual, and ethical. Today, we must reconnect the truth taught by ancient chemists with this light from ancient Africa. The human being will ultimately recapture the entirety of what he has been since its inception. A divine form ready to reunite with its divine genesis. Our psychological problems are ultimately resolved by the redemption of knowledge of our self or our soul. It is only knowledge that can free us. And that's the end of this book Life from Ancient Africa. And wrapping up our discussion on life from Ancient Africa, um, I want to say thank you to all those who've tuned in throughout the weeks as we jumped into this book. I, I want to say that my summary and readings from this book is no way a complete summary of what this book is all about. It only is my attempt to share some nuggets from this story related to the religious and psychological and science systems of ancient Egypt or ancient Kemet. Even when you read the book and read from the writer himself, Dr. Naeem Akbar, you see that he in no way attempts to explain everything that happened in the ancient systems. Um, In this book, this book is really just a summary of some of the things. But in this discussion, I want you to really think about how does this relate to yourself, your mind, and your spirituality? My attempt here is not to get you to stop believing in your spiritual system. You know, I hope that in connecting the ancient African spiritual system and their discussions on God to what you see today, hopefully this just um, strengthens your belief in God and helps connect you to the story of God on a more personal way. It's not by any means an attempt to denounce anything that you have learned. It's really more about affirming and connecting us to our connection to God. And I'm not trying to be a pastor or real religious or Create some type of controversy. I'm really just trying to get people to think deeper about the soul, the mind, and how we re- how and how we are related to others, and not to fall for the okie doke about what we have been taught about the spirituality of the African people. I always encourage people to question anything you've learned from people about African people even when that stuff is coming from black people we get a lot of black people who really believe that the ancient Africans or African land where we come from were full of pagan people who didn't believe in God who did things like worship the ground who worshiped the um star and the suns but in actuality in this book, we're seeing that the people that followed this ancient comedic system were acknowledging the power of God in the world, throughout the world, in nature and ourselves. And connecting that connection through our ancestors and realizing that we have an important role to try to reach a higher consciousness um, like what God wanted us to have. It's not about trying to change people's religious um, system. It's about being more serious about enhancing your spirituality. And hopefully in this book, you learned at least something about ancient African religious and um, psychological and science systems and beliefs. And maybe it'll help you find some sense of identity in yourself so we'll take another break we will come back and wrap up our show with a discussion on liberation in psychology or liberation psychology and then we'll close for today Hey, this is Art Harris, the Blackmail Therapist on the Blackmail Therapist Podcast. Are you looking for a way to promo your business or your brand or idea, even a song? Why don't you hit me up and get some promo right here on the show? On this podcast, you have an audience of people all over the country who listen to podcasts who would love to hear about your idea business or brand. So why don't you hit me up? You could go on my Instagram at blackmail therapist, follow me or send me a message about what you're trying to promo. We'll go over packages or you can call on to the show right on the anchor FM website. You can actually send me a message to this show and we can go from there. I look forward to helping you get to where you want to be. You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris. This section of the show is brought to you by the Acorns app. The best way to save your leftover money, your leftover loose change, whatever you need to do, it's the best way to get ahead and get started in the game. Just link your debit card and get started and watch as you get closer to your financial dreams. Start investing with Acorns today. Get $5 when you use my invite link 48P9Z2. Just go to Acorns.com backslash invite backslash 48P 9Z2 to get your $5 to see where it takes you. You have nothing to lose but time. Welcome back to the show. So, in this section, we're talking about liberation psychology. Liberation psychology, or liberation social psychology, is an approach to psychology that aims to actively understand the psychology of oppressed and impoverished communities by conceptually and practically addressing the oppressive socio political structure in which they exist. Thank you, Wikipedia, for that technical definition. And I'll refer back to Wikipedia as I explain this. But I want to address liberation psychology also in part from my personal experience with it related to um, just learning about it in the field and through the Black Psychology Project, which me and my wife experienced uh, about a year ago. So a part of this project, as I talked about it earlier, there were a series of um, presentations on black psychology and liberation psychology was one of those um, topics that were addressed. And one thing I can say about liberation psychology and why I connect to it is because, like I, like I said in the description, it really talks about freedom of the oppressed, freedom from concepts that are not true to yourself, freedom from any type of abuse or any type of concept or idea or people or ideology that holds you down. It's a very freeing and uplifting approach to mental health, and you have to really use it with any group of people that's been oppressed. So when thinking of black psychology... Um we often have different um oppressions or different um prejudices or stereotypes in different systems we're really trying to free ourselves from so black psychology really took on liberation psychology as a part of um the healing process in the black community let me give you some more details about liberation psychology it began in Latin America in the 1970s. And this is according to Wikipedia. Um, it was really developed when psychology was criticized for its value neutrality, assertion of universality, and social irrelevance. And so their thought was, there's no way that a psychology based on and by middle-class white men can really apply to everybody. So Ignacio Martin Barro was the person who brought liberation psychology into widespread use. He um, was a man that really began the development of liberation psychology. He um, is credited as the founder of it but it was further developed by others because when martin barrow started really dedicating his life to this work this spanish-born jesuit priest and social psychologist um really jumped head in and um he was eventually assassinated for this work so a lot of his um Writings and stuff didn't really get to develop into that form where it was going. So other people jumped in and picked up the baton and kept it going. But we have to remember that Ignacio Martin Baro was credited as the foundation of liberation psychology. But he was assassinated once he really started pushing this issue. And his main thing um, was about talking about the oppression of the people of color in America and how this psychology that we use in the western world may actually be more of a system that keeps people oppressed you see it goes hand in hand because the fundamental um focus of liberation psychology is all about the interconnectedness and focusing on the socio-political and other cultural issues that lead us to the problems we're having here in America. You see, what Martin Burrow was talking about was that this Eurocentric approach to psychology maybe limits um, being able to understand what as black people and other oppressed people go through. You see, it's really a lack of relevance and really Eurocentric approaches that don't really connect to what we're going through. And so part of liberation psychology is freeing yourself from these mental constructs and ideologies that really hold you down. Just like when I was talking in my book um, that I read on Life from Ancient Africa, written by Dr. Naeem Akbar, we were I was talking about how understanding that you can see yourself as a black person connected to God and spirituality in a different way. That it's not pagan, it's not evil or not um satanic we're not um just idiots rumbling around we're actually come from a people of well articulate very cultured organized and sophisticated intelligent engineering people and so part of freeing your mind which you can use liberation psychology for is allowing yourself to see yourself in an image That is powerful, important, and connected to God. And I think what happened when you start developing a slave mentality is that you limit your conceptualization of yourself and you see the oppressor as the more powerful, as the more important as the one with all the goodness and all of the blessings to him and so of course you see yourself as not as good you almost want to feel like there's an inferiority complex and you want to be like this oppressor and that's what we have to shake when we use liberation psychology we have to shake this inferiority complex where we're actually trying to be like the oppressor. I've heard the statement, if you can't beat them, join them. And if you're not careful as black people and other oppressed people, you're gonna be playing that out in your own mind. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you might see a black person or a Latin person or even an Asian person or even a poor white person, but you might see that, but in your mind, you really wanna be something else. And so you have to free your mind of your desire to connect with this capitalistic society in a way that's unhealthy and allowing yourself to be you with your true cultural values playing a part of it but in order to have your true cultural values you need to know yourself so you gotta pay attention to who you are and where you are from and this just does not apply to people connected themselves back to the continent of Africa. This also applies to people connected themselves just to the indigenous soil of America. There's a lot of black people and people of color who are indigenous to America and don't even realize it. There's a lot of us as black people whose families never came over on a slave ship. Some may have came over on ships from Africa before, but that may have came from independent countries coming out here to explore. You see, some of us just have roots connecting all the way back as long as the indigenous population's been here in America. And so part of liberation psychology is freeing yourself from the construct that you are less than but also on a deeper level, allowing yourself to tap into the practices and healing methods that were here way before this place was called America. And we were called all types of things except our true name. And um, I remember in the presentation on the Black Psychology Project, they talked about liberation psychology and the presenter talked about how in certain circles, the elders of the community... We'll sit with the people having issues, maybe for days on out, just going back and forth, trying to solve these issues in the community and letting these issues not be not being left to go to sleep sleep on, but really allowing the community to come together and work these things out. The interconnectedness was so important where that's completely different than the rugged individualism approach in the Western humanities or western world or western hemisphere and so we have to be aware that we're not really a black face of our white desires but instead we are truly knowing ourselves acknowledging ourselves and being true to ourselves of people of African descent and people of indigenous descent of people here in America, Native American. And we have to allow these approaches and these thoughts and these concepts flow through our mind and flow through our actions so we can truly be free and liberate ourselves. And really, that's the end of this section on liberation psychology. And you know what? I think we've come to the end of the show. I, we've done a lot today. We've talked about so many different topics related to Thanksgiving and the news, the shootings in school. We read our book, Life of Ancient Africa, which we completed. And we talked about liberation psychology. There's nothing else to say today. We've done so much. I can't wait to go into our next show we are going to enjoy thanksgiving this week with our families again i encourage you to remember what thanksgiving is really all about please be thankful to be alive and to have family and to have food and to have fellowship but just remember where it all started and so don't fall for the okie doke and again i say self-knowledge is the key and so we're going to continue to focus on issues related to the Black Community to help empower the black community and empower increase understanding, but through this work, it should also impact others. Remember, as black psychology is promoted, it doesn't just help us, it helps all people because as you we read in a book like from ancient Africa. These theories and thoughts on the soul and humanity have been going on and picked from for eons. And it makes sense to keep developing our thoughts and developing our ideas. Because as we continue to grow as people and increase our understanding, everybody really um, benefits. And so next week, we're going to go into a new study. I'm not going to be reading a book in my next um study i am going to really focus on um 2020 vision and we're going to be connecting jesus christ and black psychology in an attempt to save the soul of the black community so this is going to be very interesting as in 2020 Vision, we're gonna connect Jesus Christ to African psychology and in an attempt to save the soul of the black community. And um I look forward to breaking this down throughout the month of December as we go into the year 2020. But until then, know yourself because self-knowledge is the key.